0: Hey, this is Linda. Catch my show. It's all about kids and the kid and you bi-weekly on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Central Time starting May 21st. On this show, we will discuss issues that concern kids and adults because of things that may have happened to them when they were a kid. You can expect to hear from children and professionals discussing these common issues that they may face today. Our mission is to bring healing to children, families, and our community. Our goal is to save lives. This show will change your life. Catch my show bi-weekly on Saturday at 7 p.m. Central Time. It's all about kids and the kid in you. Hey, this is Linda. You have just tuned in to It's All About Kids and the Kid That's in You. And as just stated, we are on weekly on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Central Time. On the show we will discuss issues that concern kids and adults because of things that happened to them when they were kids on this show you can expect to hear from children adults and professionals discussing these common issues that we face today our mission is to bring healing to children, families, and our communities, which in turn will bring healing to this world. Our goal, our passionate goal, is to save and change lives. I started this show because for over a year, God has been talking to me day in and day out, seem like sometimes all day about the help that our children need, the attention that they need, the issues that they are facing. Oh, my God, are, they're facing so many issues, would you all agree. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And he has put a burden on our heart for children. Everybody that's sitting here at this table today, we love children. I told God, no, you got the wrong person. Why me? Why me? I'm an introvert. I don't like to be seen. I want to be behind the scenes. And I kept trying to make it go away. And I kept rejecting the idea and hoping that it would go away, but it was all that was on my mind. So after resisting, fighting, kicking, this idea to start a show, addressing issues concerning kids or the kid that's in you, I finally said, okay, God, I'll do it for the kids. But the devil has fought me every step of the way, which let me know that it was God that was calling me. I finally said to myself, if the show can just save one life, one child's life, one adult's life, I say it's worth it. And I told God, more than anything, I want to please you. So here we are today with the luncheon of the show. It's all about kids and the kid that's in you. God gave me the name at first, it's all about kids, and then he added the kid in you. I wondered what that was about. Then he said, he says a lot of grown-ups that are having problems and are successes because of what happened to them when they were kids. And we've been hearing it over and over again. Everyone know, unfortunately, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. And they're saying it because, what he saw when he was a kid being done to his mother and he didn't do anything about it. They said Chris Rock did the same thing because of what happened to him. He was bullied when he was a kid. So here we are today. We are getting ready to actually Lush this show because of issues that people are having now as children or because of issues that they had when they were a child. So we will have adults on the show that will talk about experiences they went through as a child and how those experiences shape who they are today negatively or positively. I believe, we believe, That if we can start healing children, we can heal families, and then we can heal our communities, and we'll be in a better world. Psalms 127 and 3 says, Children, children are a heritage from the Lord, an offspring, a reward from him. Children are gifts. They're precious. Proverbs 3 and 5 says Trust in the Lord with all of your heart And lean not to your own understanding So everybody that's sitting at this table today We are trusting in God to lead us In this program and in this show And we pray that we'll be able to save somebody's life Now the guests on the show today I want to introduce them First of all we have my assistant coordinator, assistant coordinator. Her name is Jean Jones. Say hi, Jean. Hello. <laughs> and then we have Mr. Michael Cheney, and he's with an organization that's called Mind Above Matter, and his position there is community support specialist. Say hi, Michael.
1: Good evening, everyone.
0: And then, we have Mrs. Rakia Ncar, and she also works for the organization called Mind Above Matter, and her position there is Director of Clinical Operations. And also, she holds a lot of titles, y'all. And also, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist with Mind over matter. Say hi, Miss Rakia. Hi, everybody. All right, well, let's jump into it, because we are in, at a fishbowl, right? <laughs> so let's jump. So this month, uh, I learned, is Mental Health Awareness Month. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. So how, how funny, but it's just like God, because I didn't even know that, and he told me you all will be talking about mental health. So here we go. So today we are going to be focusing on mental health. So I wanna start bringing in uh, our panel, if you will. So how important is it that we have good mental health? And I'm gonna go to you, Miss Rakia.
2: It's greatly important. Um, We can't be whole or stable, well people without attending to our mental health. I think it's easy to conceptualize taking care of our physical health following our primary care doctor's recommendations, or at least trying to. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But it's more difficult, I think, for people to acknowledge that you must take care of your mental health in order to be well and stable.
0: Okay. Anybody else?
1: Yeah, I definitely would add to that in terms of uh, our our mental health can also be a contributing factor to things going on with our physical health. And just as much as our physical health sometimes can play a toll on our own mental health. And so they they do go hand in hand. And the brain being one of the most important organs in the body, yet the one we all kind of tend to neglect the most, I think in terms of our mental health, it has a larger influence in more aspects of health than any of us ever realized. Not just the physical health, the social and the emotional health, but our community health and, and everything in between.
0: Okay. Okay. And I just want to kind of give a brief definition of what the dictionary says that mental health is. You know, we hear that all the time, mental health this, mental health there. And I think uh, someone said that as far as mental health is concerned, that it affects everyone either in a positive or a negative way. So mental health, as uh, defined in the dictionary, says mental health includes our emotional, our psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, how we feel, and how we act. It also helps determine how we handle stress. And let's stop right there and talk about stress. What would you define stress as?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I, I'm glad you asked that because uh, stress is one of those words that we, we primarily use it in such a negative way. We, we almost, when, when somebody hears the word stress, they, the, the, the brain's automatic response is to think in terms of negative direction of whatever that's pertaining to. But the, the technical definition of the word stress actually is any external stimulus. And so when we think about the way the brain's interpreting the world through our sight, our sound, smell, taste, touch, all of our five senses, all of those, uh, you know, a cool breeze on a hot day, that's a positive form of stress in our life. But that same cool breeze at 20 degrees has the potential to become a toxic stress or a tolerable stress. Okay. one that potentially still makes you feel uncomfortable. Yes. But if you have the right tools under a cool breeze at 20 degrees to get warm, it's tolerable. You're not gonna have any lasting damage. But if you don't have those right tools that cool breeze becomes toxic and so stress is one of those things that it's about our perception I think sometimes as well as combined with the tools to stay safe under the circumstances.
0: Okay and I think that's good but What I want us to focus on today, when it comes to mental health, because we have so many negative things that is going on in our world and in our society, I want us to focus or talk about that negative stress and how you would advise, Ms. Rakia, how you would advise a parent to help a child that says, you know what, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, Because I don't ever remember saying that at a very young, young age. I don't know if you guys do, but I don't ever remember saying that. But now I do hear younger, even younger children say that. So what would you say to that?
2: So I would encourage the parents to make sure that you don't minimize what your child is saying. I think a lot of times we think, well, what what exactly is stressful about like going to school, doing your chores? Like, what what you don't pay b- bills, right? What's stressful about that?
0: Exactly.
2: And so, I would encourage parents to first listen, right? Hear them out and ask questions about. Okay, so we're calling it stress. We're calling calling it anxiety. What's really at the root of that, right? Um, I encourage or coach parents in sessions. Especially with younger kids to run through a list right are they hungry are they tired are they hot are they thirsty right are their basic needs being met Mm -hmm. and then if all those things are being met they're okay physically okay well now let's talk about what's going on for them I think a lot of times parents miss the opportunity to connect and teach their kids coping skills because they don't ask the question they say oh you don't have anything to be stressed about you're 10
0: Okay, so you talk about coping skills. So if you were a parent and you were asking questions and you say, are you hot, are you tired, are you sleepy, mm-hmm. are you hungry? Mm-hmm. So if I were to say that I'm just tired, I didn't I didn't get enough sleep last night, uh, mm-hmm. what would you tell me?
2: So I would tell the parent, well, first let's ask them, okay, what kept you up last night? Mm-hmm. Right? Are they having nightmares? Do they Very tend to good. sleepwalk? Do they tend to bother you in, in during your quiet time when they're supposed to be in bed? Um, is there something maybe going on at school that's on their mind or with their siblings that's on their mind? And then creating a better sleep hygiene and sleep routine. Some parents are really, really good at that. And some parents struggle with that because they don't have a good sleep routine. So I would say, okay, if if they're tired all the time, they're coming to you, it's only four p m they didn 't sleep so good last night let 's talk about what we can do to move forward in a new sleep routine
0: you said two things that's very important, and you talk about a routine mm-hmm. you may have uh, parents and or children that's in the listening audience that do, do not feel that a sleep pardon me a sleep routine is important, mm-hmm. so talk about how if they have a sleep routine, how that can turn into being a good day or a positive thing for the child. Mm -hmm.
2: So having a sleep routine makes it so that your child knows how to self-soothe at night versus you needing to get up all the time and help them, right? So if we have a sleep routine, we take our bath at this time, we read our story at this time, Mm -hmm. maybe we say some affirmations or we do a little bit of deep breathing. Um, If the family is religious, maybe we pray as a family, and then everybody goes to bed. Mm -hmm. Some kids are a little bit of light sleepers, right? So maybe they need a little bit of white noise or some type of noise machine to help them be soothed. Yeah, my green baby has that. Right? And And that does wonders for this quality of sleep. Because maybe your child is the kind that sleeps through the night, but they're still groggy, right? They're tossing and turning. Right. They're restless. How many how many of us as parents or for me, godparents, wake up with little feet in your face? Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so think about that. Did they really sleep well? Probably not. And so we want to emphasize quality sleep, not just the recommended eight to nine hours for kids.
0: Now, you touched on something that's very good. You touched on... <clears throat> Deep breathing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that something that you guys teach, or is it something that you can just give instruction right now to tell them how to Mm -hmm. deep breathe? Go ahead and do that. Yeah.
2: So you can definitely find those types of things on different apps. I recommend the Shine app. Um, It's one I use on my phone. Um, YouTube has a lot of different guided meditation. But what I would do with kids or parents, anybody, that comes into the office, um, I'll give you an example. So when I worked at an inpatient substance abuse treatment um, facility, we had an incident overnight um, and I needed to come up there myself or the leadership. And we had a couple of clients respond negatively to said event and one of them went into a panic attack. Mm. And so I asked the group for permission if I could focus on this particular client and everybody said, of course. So I had him plant his feet Firmly on the ground. Wow. Unclench his hands because he's like balling up his fists, right? Unclench his hands. Okay. Put them up. Get into a comfortable position for him, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. And I was like, you can lay on the ground. You can stay in your chair. Um, you can close your eyes or keep them open, right? You have to build trust to close your eyes. And then I walked him through, you know, taking deep breaths. So I would do it with him, you mm-hmm, know, to breathe mm-hmm. in for four, out for four. And all the while grounding him to he's safe he's in a space with his group members he's in a space with me as a therapist and administrator and There's, that really helped And that and so what happened for him he was really escalated for about 10 minutes mm-hmm. the deep breathing wasn't working so parents doesn't always work the first time mm-hmm. right so i asked him for permission because we have to be thinking about consent and making sure we don't trigger somebody further if i could hold his hand hmm and he said yes, and that helped. And so he was shaking, so when I, ha- he was real like, you know, clammy, he was right. really upset. Right. So I grabbed his hands, and then we breathed together, and then we took a walk around the building, and then he was calm. But if I hadn't asked for permission and kind of, you know, took it a step further to be able to hold his hand, yes, then we might have been there for another 15, 30 minutes because he was that that elevated. So deep breathing is is a very valuable tool. We teach it to our clients at Mind Above Matter. Um, we teach it to parents. It's something that you can be coached through. Something you can do on your own. But what what it does is it lowers your heart rate.
0: Yep. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. It, it helps regulate so many aspects. It lowers mm-hmm. heart rate. It lowers blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and you know, one of the main things that I've heard in regards to that response is is when if you don't have the right uh, counting four by four breathing, and some of the apps walk you through some different modalities, to simplify some of that is slow the breathing down as much as possible. Make sure that when you, you breathe in, hold it for a moment, but make sure your exhale mm-hmm. is a little bit longer than your inhale. inhale uh-huh. Our body's expelling almost 70 percent of the toxins through our breath. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, that is another key aspect of why that breathing function can do added benefits in regulating all the systems. Now, I
0: have Mm -hmm. never heard of that, and I'm sure there's a lot of people in the listening audience (laughs) have not heard of if your child is, uh, what was it, not sleeping? Not sleeping. Not sleeping to do uh, deep breathing with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is one of the other popular ones that uh, you all would like to expound on that that would be easy for a parent to, to do? thinking about the
2: temperature of the bath water um, really so so if it's too obviously we want them to be squeaky clean but if it's too hot yes. right? then their blood pressure might be a little bit elevated you don't want it to be too cold either so having it be nice and warm um you can put oatmeal in it. Some people do that. We think of typically do that when they have like eczema outbreaks and stuff, but you can do do that a couple nights a week when they're not sleeping well. Okay. Um and then kind of make it like interesting. Like the house is a retreat. So, one of my best friends, um she's an educator. Her daughter's 4 years old, and one thing that she and her child do before they go to bed is a little bedtime yoga. Really, and so she, she since she's an ed- educator, of <clears throat> course, she makes her daughter read the story, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But after that, they do a little because she gets excited when she gets the words this right. Oh, so good. And so she does bedtime yoga and she has a little yoga mat. And well,
0: what do about yoga. the purple solution for kids? Chamom- chamomile? Chamomile is that good to bathe them in?
2: Yeah, chamomile um, to help or them lavender. Sleep. Lavender. lavender, lavender. Yeah, so chamomile um, and lavender are pretty good. The allergy risk is low. Okay. And so parents do need to think about that. The allergy risk is not zero, mm-hmm. but the chances of your child be allergic to chamomile
1: or lavender is really slim. I had a I had a similar conversation this week earlier in a networking meeting with an EMDR therapist, mm-hmm. and I learned about um, potentially EMDR. Playlists mm-hmm. on that use bilateral sounds, okay. um, and the conversation was relations to have a, a a infant not sleeping and having trouble getting to sleep, and that became a tool for for helping the infant get to sleep as well as calming the mother in the process. So uh, those you know those bilateral sounds um, can be something that. Anybody can download a playlist on Spotify.
0: Now, you mentioned the one like that. that I said my grandson used. It sounds like wind or something.
1: Yeah, the noise machine.
3: The, the noise, white noise machine. machine. And you yeah. know,
0: and they have a rocking chair, right? And I go in and sit in the rocking chair and I have the grandbaby. And by the time she's sleep, I'm asleep from listening at the noise machine. That is so relaxing. I just wish I would have thought of it so I could be getting paid.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and they do have, um, you don't necessarily have to buy a noise, a, a noise machine. There's a free app called Rain Rain, and they have different noises, like nature sounds, white noise, I like brown noise. This one just so. sounds
0: like a lot of air going, almost like a fan or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that—that that is that is excellent. Um, the other thing that you mentioned. hmm I know. When I was growing up, and if I'm going to be honest, even with my children, sometimes if I sent them to bed and they kept getting up for different reasons that they really didn't have a reason other than they just wanted to be up, mm-hmm. sometimes they got a spanking. And I said, I mean, I, I said to them, I mean, for you to go to bed. But you brought up an interesting point, uh, and that is, is that if they're not sleeping, And if it continues to happen, there may be something going on. Mm -hmm. And so, I think that's very important for uh, the parents in the listening audience to really uh, receive that, Mm -hmm. because I do, because it is so much that can go on with a child that at school, with friends, uh, all types of things. And I know you've had some cases, you deal with kids a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a child was not sleeping and you all got to the root of what the reason why they may not have been sleeping, are you able to share mm-hmm. uh, something that may have been going on that uh, a parent might be, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so it depends on the age group. Um, so the youngest client I've ever worked with was four years old. Um, and what parents sometimes don't realize is when kids are supposed to be asleep, they're maybe not asleep, right? And so, if you save your conflict for when the kids go to bed, they might still hear that.
0: Oh, so...
2: And they're associating bedtime with arguing, right?
0: Okay.
2: Um, When you introduce a new baby into the family, Just right?
0: Just dead? Grandbaby? So,
2: that baby gets attention all through the night by crying... And so what do the older kids want to do they also want attention okay right so sometimes it's it's as simple as they just want a little bit more attention from mom and dad when they realize like okay so i'm being sent to my room but mom and dad are with baby all night even though we all know that mom and dad are really really tired and they wish baby would go to sleep as well it doesn't translate that way to a, a younger kid right five six seven um, unfortunately, sometimes there can be some deep trauma that has happened that maybe parents are not aware of. Such as? So, unfortunately, such as, like, sexual trauma. Okay. Um, And so sometimes parents have no idea that that, that has happened, and, and it makes it difficult because when you think about it, sleeping is a very vulnerable position. Yes. And so you have to close your eyes. You have to lose consciousness. Yes. And... When somebody has survived some type of sexual trauma, then they struggle to to sleep at
0: night. And we're actually going to have a show that's going to be totally dedicated to talking about sexual trauma Mm -hmm. in kids and how it may happen and how you can prevent it, how you can look for it, how you can uh, identify the signs. Right. uh, So that if we have children that are in trouble... Mm -hmm. uh, they can get help Mm -hmm.
2: yeah yeah and so that can that can sometimes be a part of the reason um those parents that are foster parents or um adoptive parents sometimes it's just more about the adjustment to the new place Mm
3: -hmm.
2: um because some kids that are in foster care right like they haven't necessarily been abused but they may have been neglected and so they had way more control over their sleeping environment than a kid who their parents are present all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're neglected. They go into care. Well, now they have to follow rules that they didn't have before. They have to sleep in a strange place, a strange bed. And,
0: and a lot of times they're going from place to place. If yeah. this home didn't work out, then they're going to mm-hmm. another home that didn't work out. Right. And so, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: makes it Makes it difficult for them to get comfortable enough to sleep through the night.
0: And so um, I want to go a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. into uh, mental health. Um, Also, the definition says that mental health is important at every stage of life, Mm -hmm. from childhood, adolescence, and all the way through adulthood. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because in my profession that I work in, I work with seniors and we actually teach a class to seniors, seniors 65, 70, 85, 90 years old, they're still dealing with mental health. And in this brochure, it talks about uh, some of the signs uh, to identify whether or not they're dealing with mental health is loneliness, feeling lonely, feelings of isolation, that goes on a lot in seniors, and. Uh, Rakia just touched on that a child that may be experiencing a new baby coming into a family, that child could possibly be feeling isolated, depression, grief and loss, anxiety or excessive worry, trouble sleeping. There it is right there. And uh, I can speak to the grief and loss because my mother, uh, we just lost this past year, I think it was a year, we lost two. I lost two siblings and a brother within uh, a span of uh, nine months to a year. And I could see that it took a great toll on my mother's mental health. She's coming back around, but trying to deal with it at the time, you could just see that she was just feeling grief. The grief was so great. It was so great that a lot of times she was sitting there with her head almost in her lap. Mm-hmm. I heard people say that, I had never seen it, but now I know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So, um, the next thing that uh, we want to do, I want to go to Mr. Michael. Uh, Michael, you are the one that I got on the phone when I was reaching out for uh, professionals to come on the show today. And you actually touched my heart with your kindness and your resilience and your passion when it comes to uh, children and people. And so I know that you have been on a journey. And I know that the journey that you have been on is going to actually help the listening audience. Because even though you went on a journey that was very hard, look where you are today so you actually dealt with your mental health so if you go ahead and, and start sharing that with the listening listening audience I think it's going to help someone today And like I said our whole goal is to actually help uh, someone save a life save a child keep keep a child from committing suicide because the suicide rate now is so so very high. Um, I think we got the statistics on that about the suicide rate is where now.
1: Well, uh, um, in the state of Texas, they, they're they're saying that every about every three hours uh, somebody is completing suicide right now, uh, which is is. is
0: Every three hours. About every
1: three hours, right
0: now. And I know we can
1: we can work towards preventing. And uh, yes, sir. Uh, you know, uh, for me, I, I, I'm I'm one of the my why in in this, and and my passion it comes from my experiences, uh, but my experiences have continued, and and everything has been this this evolution that's built on on each other. So, you know, I, I, lost, I lost my father at a very early age. I lost one of my best friends at an early age. And at 16, 17, I found myself in a very dark place. Uh, my best friend, uh, he, he lived two houses down from me. Uh, I knew him when I was two years old, but he went to private school, I went to public. My friends at school unfortunately didn't understand anything about the grief and the loss that I had experienced. Grief and, and loss? Yeah, absolutely. And now you uh, said at an
0: early age, how old were you?
1: I was 10 when I lost my father. Okay. Um, and uh, there's some, some, some connections to this that I think, uh, uh, I, I wrote a poem that I think outlines some aspects of of, of where I was in my life at certain stages, but that the journey didn't just stop there. Because at 16, 17, thankfully, through some challenging behaviors coming to the surface. And I want to, I want to say that if a kid can do well, they will do well. And if they're not doing well, there's barriers in their way. And we need to understand that when challenging behaviors are coming to the surface, whether they're external at, towards others, or sometimes they also are in, internal towards oneself, yeah, and we've got to watch out pain for those, on yeah. we got to watch out for some of those those quieter challenging behaviors that may not be the ones that are rubbing everybody else the wrong way. but. You know it's the the reclusiveness of the individual in times uh but uh, those those things are are, are warning signs and, and thankfully for me uh the pieces of the puzzle got connected at the right time in the right way that got me into help um I pardon lost me
0: p- identify the warning signs again i want to make sure that's straight yeah
1: so i can for me um it, I, I i'm definitely going to break the yeah I was, my grades were dropping, I was having trouble in school, I was fighting with my mom a lot more. Um, I, I started having some minor run-ins with the law at 16, 17 years old wow. and uh, this is where my story became, there's a little bit of I think privilege of the behind the scenes.
3: Okay. Uh,
1: my father was a DA in, in Tarrant County, fought very extensively for women and children's rights. District Attorney. And, uh, um, and at, being a District Attorney, uh, but uh, having lost him at 10, even the officers involved knew who my father was. Mm. And so when I got through that system, between the school, my, my, my mother, and, and the legal community, they put me into help. They put me into a five-day-a-week partial hospitalization mental health program. And it saved my life. Five days uh, a
0: week mental health program.
1: Absolutely. Um, it was three, about three to four hours of, of group therapy and some individual therapy five nights of the week and uh, it taught me uh, what I I now use these phrases uh, name it to tame it Mm -hmm. and it taught me skills so that if I'm upset I can become reset
3: so that I'm all
1: set because when we make decisions when we're upset it's generally not. Say that again if you're upset. If you're upset you've got to be able to reset reset. Uh so you can be all set. That is great. And so um, you know I think those and and the name it to tame it I want to evolve that a little bit it's not just about putting the labels to the feelings right but it's also becoming aware of when those symptoms feelings are coming to the surface yes so naming it to to naming it you know if you know the labels of the feelings that's one thing and that's a a great foundation but you also have to be able to put that into you know practice that into action as to being able to recognize those symptoms coming to the surface quickly so that you can begin to reset that you know, and use some healthier coping and processing strategies to reset to. Be so, if awesome. I
0: understand you correctly, you're saying that when you are getting ready to experience the wrong type of feelings, you can actually feel it coming up in you. is that what you're saying? Uh,
1: you can definitely determine become very heightenly aware. Am I always perfect at being immediately aware? Right. No. But I do feel uh, that I have a much more heightened awareness of the body sensation, brain-body behavior system symptom connection that I have experienced through my life through the tools and and the help that I have received. That has absolutely increased my ability to give less leverage to potential negative things, give more leverage to some of the positive experiences that can be around or surround out of that and and, and have a more resilient personality for that. Um, and I think, uh, I'll, I'll just jump into sharing this this quick poem that okay. came out in three different moments in my life. Okay. Because it wasn't just at 16, 17, when I went through that program that my mental health journey got squared away and moving and that was it. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Uh, life continues to throw stuff at us sometimes. Always. Uh, and uh, at 26 I spent four days in ICU not knowing the world existed because I was a type 1 diabetic and didn't know. Okay. And as a result I came out of the hospital um, having a lot of stomach complications and having some vision complications only to learn that I had uh, some additional complications from the diabetes of gastroparesis and was on a liquid diet for almost two years and I also had very severe diabetic retinopathy and I uh, spent the next eight years having 24 laser surgeries in my eyes a hundred plus injections to keep me seeing um, and, and my retinal specialist and I are doing victory laps now Thank I'm God, almost right? five years with no procedures in my eyes awesome. And, awesome. He could, Thank God. and we all couldn't believe that we got to that point uh, in fact he describes it as uh, I'll never forget the day that he met me, his stomach jumped up into his throat and he said he doesn't know if he can keep me seeing. And, uh, and more to the point though, he goes, I've put you through stuff I can't even imagine putting myself through. Wow. But you walked in with a smile on your face. I don't know how you did that.
2: Wow. Wow. I
1: also know that I don't get these results out of these treatments. You responded the dream I could have ever hoped for. And I do think there is something to my mental resilience and my attitude at that time. And those were rooted by the tools I got at 16, 17 years old when I went through that program. uh,
0: You mentioned tools twice. Can you share some of those?
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, so much had to do with that, the foundation of the name entertainment. Okay. Being able to put verbal words to what I was experiencing and going through. Because it just, it didn't feel natural. I didn't understand. I didn't know how to, to label these feelings. I didn't, I didn't know how the feelings cause the behaviors to respond. And so being able to frame some of that up, in a, in a way, gave me th- And that who
0: taught you how to give a name to the feeling?
1: That was during that partial hospital, the, the two therapists so involved in my program. So that's that they teach you? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's that's, something that 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 definitely we work on, and in fact, in all of our therapy rooms, we have that nice little feelings feelings, chart. Yeah, (laughs) uh, and and it breaks it down that there's so many other labels we can use to happy, or sad, or Or anger. It's not always that simple. I mean, there's there's more labels behind those that.
0: That's important. That's very important.
1: And so uh, you know that I think was a big piece. But at 26, with that health. Peace journey. I knew there was a bigger piece to this story, uh, and, and I already had some foundations with some poetry, and I said, you know what, it's time to add this third verse, but it needs to be this echo of something I realized when I, I wrote when I was 12. Mm-hmm. And so the first verse that I'm going to read you, I wrote when I was 12 years old in a journal, didn't know it, tucked it away found it later on in life going through some memory boxes about oddly enough about the same time I was in the partial hospitalization program which okay. is when I decided to write the second verse and then that third verse at 26 uh, okay. with my health care so where was I stuck between a silent eye watching me left behind a legacy for me to follow into a dream showed me what life was worth gave me wishes gave me birth gave me love followed in sorrow against all odds it made me grow Until I slowly floated hearts away. I drifted lonely every day. I lost touch in what's to be, until it all came back to me. I was blind in my own eyes, losing touch with life's good ties. I was caught up in the wrong crowd, and I was lost when I found. I was guilty of assuming I was right to fight those fights. Until I opened my eyes, and I stretched for the light. And as that warmth came back, I began to know, against all odds, it can make me grow. So I want to know, where are you stuck in between? all of your hopes, all of your dreams. Sometimes they break down at the seams. But pick up those pieces, see what they mean. They may not fit exactly the same, and only you know from where they came. But if you can put them together with the tools you know, against all odds, it can make you grow. For me, that was a a message of, of how even the challenging things, Mm-hmm. things that we find discomfort and we don't want to go through, and we may not understand them in the moment, mm-hmm. they can be something that actually makes you stronger.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I've always... That, that that 12-year-old me developed an attitude that I wasn't aware of, and that started getting lost. And thankfully, that program brought that resilient attitude back out. That concept that... Um, as much as I may want my father to be in my life or my best friend to be in my life or certain challenging things n- maybe even not to have happened,
3: mm-hmm.
1: it's what makes me who I am. It's, it's an experience. And that if I let it beat me up and, 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 and hold me it down, it, 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 it can have that power. But at the same time, if you have the right tools, you can overcome that. And if you don't have the right tools or if life has buried those tools,
3: mm-hmm.
1: that's why it's super important to reach out to get help, to know that there are people out there that can, that are can be there for you, that can 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 be that connector to the to the tools you need in that moment.
0: And what we want to do now is give out the number to the national is it National Suicide Line? Yep. And also to the organization that both of these two people, Mrs. Rakia and Michael, belong to, because uh, this is what they do on a daily basis. They. Uh, help children. They help people to heal and to get into a better place. And that's what this show is all about. So if mm-hmm. you will, Miss Raquel, go ahead and give out the phone number to the to that line. Yeah.
2: So the number to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and this is for if you need some immediate assistance, is 1-800-273-8255. Um, something that, people may or may not know also is that if you have a loved one who is this is more so this this number for the national suicide prevention line is for you but if you know somebody you're worried about them you can call your local sheriff's office the non-emergency number and ask for a wellness check
0: wow okay say that again
2: yeah so if if you are a family member or a friend of someone and you're really concerned that they might hurt themselves or someone else you can call the non emergency number for, for your um, local sheriff's department, mm-hmm. and they will do a wellness check. Okay. Okay. Um, and then our number over at Mind Above Matter, if you don't need immediate crisis stabilization, you more so need to be connected with a partial hospitalization, intensive outpatient, or just outpatient therapy in um, medication management. Our number is 817 447. We're open Monday through Friday, and our intake team takes calls from about 8 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. Okay. They will route you to whichever location you need to be routed to. Absolutely.
3: Now, for people that are looking to,
0: to get the help that they need,
3: mm-hmm.
0: what if they don't have medical insurance? They don't have finances to pay for it. What can they do? Are there programs out there for them?
1: Absolutely. There's, there's so many programs that are out there to help uh, in so many different ways, and depending on what community uh, an individual is in, it's important to look, at, look for those local resources. Whether it is your local MHMR, um, uh, county hospital, um, there's several nonprofits out there, but even teams like ourselves. I mean, we work with most insurance, commercial insurance, as well as Medicaid. Um, and uh, and then we have uh, scholarship slots as well that we keep available for those that are uninsured and underinsured. Wonderful. So uh, we, we at Mind Above Matter, we do have three brick-and-mortar locations in Burleson, Keller, and Arlington, uh, Texas, as well as several satellite school district programs and some of the school districts around here, as well as... Several more set to start in the fall as well. So, so go ahead.
0: I'm just excited. That's oh. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> and so, what I understand, uh, I believe I understood from you, is that you all are now affiliated or associated with some school districts. You're working with some children there. Is that what I understand?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we we create all kinds of community partners, but I think this has been one of the things that uh, um, in the eight years that I've been with this team at Mind Above Matter, about six years ago, um, we we started being able to open the door to putting the care that we provide uh, mm-hmm. at our brick and mortar locations actually in schools and school districts. I think that's awesome. And and then and this came about a lot because of. Uh, Well, the whole team was always on on board with this the the page of this but uh you know the foot in the door aspect uh, i think my program being an evening-based program but i didn't have to unenroll in school and for me I I, I I continue to advocate and and say that we've got to be able to allow people to integrate the tools they're learning mm-hmm. in the environments where they need to use them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so being able to put these programs in schools and school districts does just that. It, does. it makes accessibility a whole different level of easy for the family and for the kiddo. It helps break down that stigma and shame. It kind of, you know, we need to look at this more like we would You know, school districts have band and they have uh, the athletic department.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and and mental health care. That needs to be a core component of it. And and viewing these as more like after school kind of programs, I think, um, and even can be done sometimes during some of the school days, depending on what are some of the needs in that community in the district. I think that's important. You know, if sports and the athletics and the band or something that is such a positive in a kiddo's life, it's, it's hard to wanna you know, remove them from those things as well, but as, at the same time, you wanna make sure that they're not getting behind in the education side of things. And oftentimes, that's what you see. Folks sometimes have to unenroll or they, uh, uh, you know, they, they go inpatient, they come to a partial hospitalization, maybe the school really wasn't notified, and then when they're going back in six weeks later, we don't wanna have them have the stress added to them of, of, of the school stuff and then how much of what they learned were they able to practice in that daily environment so I think creating those opportunities for them to have that real-time integration a daily coming back working with a professional team what went well what coping strategies were effective what weren't uh, were there triggers in classrooms being able to advocate and communicate with the school and school district about that that's so helpful um, and uh, and then you know it helps create resiliency teams
0: so let me ask you this so within the school district uh the program what does it look like does the counselor identify the children that need to take the classes because they have certain triggers or certain behavior how does a child get enrolled into one of those programs within the school
2: so so what we do um, we work very closely with the interventionists or um, school counselors—it differs from district to district what they call the team. But mm-hmm. I would say that my model district right now is HEB. Okay. Actually, and we're right over here in Bedford, so shout out to HEB. Ah, um, shout out to H-E-B. H-E-B.
3: <laughs> Yes. Um,
2: so in HEB, they're the model district. Um, their um, head of intervention, Julia Harris, is godsend. She will have her team identify kids in different schools that are coming in with different struggles right the teachers have identified them or they're constantly going to their counselors office maybe they're acting out disruptive she meets with the parents she connects them with our liaison alex and alex takes that kid from point a to point b right okay get all the paperwork done Mm -hmm. um it's a very very Streamline process in HEB, and so there's little wait time between when Julia's interventionists have identified that this child needs help to them starting in our program. And so the HEB therapist right now, named Stephanie, she's awesome as well. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) Stephanie is there, and what happens is they come in after school. Um, We do offer them some help with transportation if necessary, um, if they need that service. So they come into the therapy, there are two hours worth of a process group, which is your typical, if you thought about group therapy, that's the the group therapy portion. And then there's two hours of skills. Now, that's if they're in our partial hospitalization. If they're an intensive outpatient, then that program is three hours, so it's about an hour and a half of each component. Um, Those kids also receive medication management if the parents opt in. We do ask that the parents allow our nurse practitioners to at least lay eyes on the kid, make sure that we're not missing anything. Um, and then they can definitely decline medication after that visit but we just like to make sure we have at least one medical professional in contact with the parents and kids
0: give us a success story
2: yes success story so I'm thinking of one um, he's not in HEV but I'm thinking of one out at our Burleson location um, came in parents are and this is a common story where Parents are like, my kid really needs this. School is like, yes, this is gonna be great. Kid is like, I don't want to do this, right?
0: The kid is like, I don't
2: want to. Exactly. I don't want to do be here. I don't want to do this. When like, I was in my program, I like, didn't want to be there either. But no, not, don't, don't the majority
0: do that? Yeah. The <laughs> oh yeah. The kids,
2: yeah. Oh yeah. Because I think that with our teenagers, it's they it's drag a stigma. Yeah, they drag their feet a little bit, but then eventually they run their own group right they come in they're like oh how did that go with your family oh right, right. they they really get integrated as a group and help each other and so we had one. he came in he had some behavior issues just really struggling um we had a couple of family sessions with the parents letting them know like you know here are our program rules they're not really r- super restrictive right? right this is treatment not necessarily school so but we do have to have some level of safety yes. right some level of respect and yes. so here's our here's our minimum standard and so after some dragging his feet a little bit he met the minimum standard and then he started to exceed he started to excel Wonderful. when he walks in he's like hey mr kid hey miss angie right like he's he's engaged right right um so definitely on his way to bigger better but i think that we've seen that a lot with our teenagers not just that particular kid but where Parents don't know what to do, right. lots of behavior issues at home. Right. And so we come in, we teach, and we coach to a different way to interact with your child, to set limits and boundaries, right? And then we get parents to do that at home so that now it's not like, oh, I do what I want at home, I follow the rules and mine above matter. They follow the rules everywhere. They so get what, what they need everywhere. So what
0: I'm hearing you say is not only are you training the child or educating the child you're also educating the parents
2: as well oh yeah yeah i think that's very important as as a as a marriage and family therapist lots of things in my mind are relational relationship to self parents spouses school whatever that looks like for us right and for me (laughs) i can do all types of great work my team I have an excellent, excellent team of therapists and mental health techs. They can do all the You know you said excellent three times,
0: right? Yes,
2: because we <laughs> offer exemplary <laughs> clinical service at my team, okay? I'm so I, so when we do that, right, uh-huh. um, none of that's going to matter if the kid goes home to the same environment.
0: Yes, that that is so important. Cause right. I, go ahead. I have a question. Mm-hmm. I, one thing that I know I heard a lot about and, and saw quite a few uh, things on the news about. And I'm curious. Mm-hmm. After the pandemic, when kids had to start going back to school, a lot of them were really freaked out and really stressed out about it. How did you handle that? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sh- I'm thinking that a lot of these programs that are happening now in the schools kind of came about and kind of stemmed from all of that.
2: Oh, most definitely. Um, and so what happens is kids are at home that kind of becomes the norm they can do school and get the grades and everything's good but they can do it from the comfort of their home right they can be who they are 100 percent of the time there is no needing to fit in quote unquote right when they're at school and so then they go back to school tons of anxiety um some kids may also be dealing with grief We, unfortunately, across the globe lost a lot of people. Yes, we did. During the pandemic. And so sometimes it's really just that grief, right? It's weighing on them and they go to school and realizing, like, life is going on without this person I've lost. And so the way that we want to deal with that is to do more so the school-based program with that child if they live in, those districts that we partner with, because that makes it like, okay, you go to school, but then you have that safe place right after, right you can connect and some of our groups are district-wide some groups have more kids from that school where it's located Um, something that we're launching in the fall is going to be a high school specific group with the high school in Fort Worth ISD that really refers to us a lot Um, and so they can connect in that way kids that are all struggling but to me the best way to address that is sometimes we do have to take them out of that environment again just to make them stable and then instead of having them do the php iop outpatient all at our brick and mortar not at school That's the kind of kid that I would say, okay, they've done PHP at brick and mortar. We need to integrate them back into school, and this is the way that we'll do it. We'll transfer them to a different location. A lot of times parents are on board, but one of the things I encourage my therapist to do is let's talk with the kid about that well before it happens. So that way we're dealing with the spike in behaviors, the anxiety, depression, whatever we need to address before they get to that point.
1: Addressing the, fears, okay. addressing the fears of the unknown. Yes, that's uh, what it is. Ahead of time.
0: Uh, all right. Well, we are coming down to our last minutes. And so I think this is, has been an awesome, wonderful program. And I want to thank all of our guests. uh
2: Thank you for having Ms. G,
0: us. You're just a part of it. So well, I thank you for <laughs> We've being there. We all learned something yes. Like this today. Yes. <laughs> so but I want to thank Mrs. Uh, Rakia Ankar mm-hmm. uh, for your uh, input, all of your knowledge. I know that I have learned something today. So I know That's that sure. whoever is in the listening audience, if they needed some coping skills or whatever to deal with their uh, children, uh, they have learned something as well. And Michael, I wanna thank you for uh, being open enough mm-hmm. and vulnerable enough to share your story because what I find is that when we keep things to ourselves, it doesn't help us and it doesn't help anybody else. But when you open up and you share what you've been through, I guarantee you it's some other people that have gone through or are yet going through what you've already gone through, and by you sharing the the fact that you were there, and now you're here, then I know that you have helped somebody else today.
1: Thank you. I hope so. I I, I knew there there's so many more reasons that I have been through the experiences I've been through, and and it is about paying it forward, and 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 I think that without that without that, having the right space, it's so so hard to even heal from even some of the physical health conditions that we may roll through, and so thank you for for having
0: and as you know this show started out with God calling me to do this and so I just want to uh, read this scripture where it says in Proverbs 22 and 6 and this is for parents it says train train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it a lot of what you heard today was training us and if we were not trained we can get trained now and so i would just encourage you and and as you know if you if you're a spiritual person you know that uh when it comes to adam and eve and them uh eating the apple uh we're living in a we're born into a sinful world and so if you don't give your children a sound good foundation from the beginning they have nothing but evil to choose from. So you have, to, you have to set that foundation for them. And if they're already four, five, six, seven older kids, it's not too late. And I read the scripture when we first started about trusting the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You should do j- just what we do, just what I do. And I know Miss Jean does. I don't know. I don't ask everybody about their spiritual uh background or whatever. But if it hadn't been for God on my side, I would not be who I am and I would not be where I am today. And it is it is God that has kept me. It has kept me out of trouble. I come from a family of of 5 kids and the path that I am on, I'm on this path because I learned about God when I was very very young and when things get hard where I go is I go to God and he gives me that strength that I need so I hope you all enjoyed the show today Uh, it's all about kids and the kid in you and we will see you all next week oh no two minutes we still have two minutes two weeks two weeks Weeks. Uh, oh we will see you all (laughs) in two weeks this is a new show for me so we will see you all in two weeks Uh, thank you for listening and as we said our goal is to save some child's life or somebody's life that is our goal and that is our mission